four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you don't laugh. <laughs> we always laugh. <laughs> we do. But if you don't, you cry and you lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's hard? Missing Tracy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> She'll be back next week. Yes. That's right. And teaching students how to self-assess. Sometimes reality can really bite you on the butt when you ask your students to self-assess. <laughs> uh, if if reality, it really is a skill. Some students get it. Some students think they get it, and others know for sure they don't get it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Asking your kids important questions like, what did you learn? How do you know you've learned it? And what will you do differently next time is certainly not for the weak at heart. So gird your loins, ladies. Let's talk about why (laughs) we need to teach our students to self-assess. Yeah. Uh, they so. definitely need to self-assess because I never want my students thinking that I'm giving grades. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I want them to, I want them to take responsibility yes. for their learning. Definitely. I want them to know they're in charge of their learning. Um, and they need to know that, you know, the kids do know what they need to get better at. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's like, it's like that, that bulletin board with the mirrors, you know. Okay. If you want to see who's responsible for the grades you, yes. you get, look here. That is so good. I like that a lot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they have to be responsible for their own grades and their own behavior. It's so important for them to be able to take a look. Yeah. Well, and that, I think they also, you know, by self-assessing, they become more active participants, Mm -hmm. right? They're not just sitting back for you to like relay all this information. We want our kids thinking. We want our kids goal setting. Um, And we want them to make realistic goals too. Yes, realistic goals. Right. And, and it helps build their self-confidence mm-hmm. and, yeah. and they become better at whatever, whatever it is that they're assessing, they can plan the next step. Well, and th- that way they track their own progress. And right. what I love is that they don't feel afraid to revise their work. You know what I mean? Like they don't just turn it in and say, I'm done. They mm-hmm. want to know how to make it better. Right. And then right. they do it, which is the whole point of learning. So I love exactly. that. Right. And they own it. Yes, yes, they, they own do. it that way. So it isn't like, okay, I turned it over to you. It's yours now. No, right. that's it's still theirs. Yeah. Yep. And by owning it, they control their own learning processes, which is really good. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, and, and also, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of parents say that this is what they do with their employees. You know what I mean? Like if they're like a, a manager of something or the head of something, they ask their right. employees to self-assess how do you feel you're doing when they do their six-month review or whatever it is? So it's a skill that our kids are going to need later in life. Mm-hmm. And it's not really so easy either. I mean, you know, you really do have to teach them how to do it. Right, right. Yeah, you do, ha- you do have to step-by-step teach it. Yes, you can't yes. just say, okay, here's your test. Assess yourself. <laughs> is it <Some> right? Assess. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was always afraid by, you know, by doing oh, that. That might be fun. <laughs> Well, I was always afraid that kids, you know, some of them are a little, have these self-inflated ideas about themselves, 
But yeah. I found that it's more often that kids are harder on themselves even. So right. they do get a pretty good sense of, you know, where they are, how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Another good thing you can do too is like they need to track their progress. So like maybe make a chart or something, a graph, you know, to show how they're doing. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, this would be the perfect transition to some of the ways that how, like the specifics, how do we teach our students to self-assess? And what are some of your experienced teacher secrets that you use to teach the skills of self-assessing? So I like to teach my kids. I want to make my kids aware of exactly what I understand and what I don't understand. And the way that I usually do it is around the first or around the second week of school, we have a class meeting and I say, how do you think fourth grade's going so far? And we just brainstorm all the things they think they're doing well, things that they're not doing so well at yet as a class. And usually it's not, um, it's not academic. It can be, but usually they bring up things like, we need to learn how to get in line better, or we need to stop talking, or we need to transition better because things are taking Mm -hmm. too long. And I just chart everything. And then we pick one goal to work on. What do you think is the biggest area we need to work on that will help our whole class? And usually, literally year after year, they pick something like um, not talking when we're transitioning because they see how long it takes us to do everything. So then I said, okay, so I write that down on a goal chart and think about um, like a butcher paper that's split into like three or four sections. And so we say that our goal is that we're going to learn to transition quietly without talking. And then I ask them, how are we going to do that? And so they come up with ways and they'd say things like, um, you know, use a timer, use whatever it is. They come up with ideas. I put it on our chart. And then the next column says, how will we know when we've achieved this? Because I want them to see, well, what does the goal look like if we've met it? So they'll say things like, mm-hmm. we, get to our, um, we get to our special classes on time, or we get out to recess on time, or it should sound silent. And they come up with all of the, what it looks like, sounds like, and we write that down. And then the fourth column is a column of fraction bars. So every day, like Monday, there's a fraction bar, Tuesday, there's a fraction bar. And then we, every day at the oh. end of each day, they graph on the fraction bar, Mm. how well we met the goal. And so just by that would go so well. No, no, that's okay. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so um, evident to them because we're doing something all together. And then it's usually something that could be physically measured at that point. Mm -hmm. Right. So was it really quiet Mm -hmm. today? How did we do? And so we talk about how much of our goal we met so that by the time I get them to self-assess their academic work, they have the same process. How are we going to get better? What should it look like? How did I do on it? That is so, so you start good. with behavioral things yeah. and you move into academics. Yep. I love that. Yep. And it's so and you, good and, for oh, – go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say it's so good for discipline too because they're disciplining themselves. Yeah. Right. And it's Excellent. something they right. picked as their need, right? Like mm-hmm. our class needs this. Um, mm-hmm. So – that's a, that, that's a way I found, and I've done it with like first grade on up, so it works really well. Mm-hmm. I, I always start with a rubric, and what you were talking about, Kathy, that I guess goes in the third column on your page is what I call a three, and I'll just put a giant three in the middle of the board, 
And then we'll list all of the target behaviors or target um, knowledge or target um, thing, things that should be part of your writing, you know, elements that should be part of, uh-huh. of your writing. Um, and whatever is a three, that's the target. And that would be your score. And then nobody in my class has ever wanted a three. Like what if you what if you, what if you don't want to be average? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yes. hit the target. You know what could you do to make it a four? Right. And so then we you know talk about how you'd bump it up or what could be really unusual and make it a five. I'm not sure with walking in the hall, though. I think we've done mm. that. Um, it could be like not fighting for a place in line and letting somebody, you know, others go in front of you or being the one at the, that would be a four or a five, being the one at the end who closes the door. Oh, yeah. And, you know, or straightens up somebody's desk for them before you leave if it didn't take too much time. I don't know, something like that. But anyway, starting with the three in the middle of the rubric was always something that we did. Yes. I like starting with a three also because, they all should be able to achieve that, right? Because I said yes, this is right. what this is what students at our grade are supposed to be doing. Like this, this is where you're supposed to be. But then most, then you're right. Most will say, "But how do I get a four? Like what? What can we do more?" Right, right, right. Because we had that kind of kid. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. That's true. It's like you want to give them a chance, you know. So um, and then to strive for something better. That's that makes it. Much better, right? <laughs> and you know, even though I've over over the years had some kids who got twos and ones on, on rubrics. Nobody ever sets that as their goal. No, of course not. No. And, and therefore they can take the work back. They can look at what they've done and they can see ways to improve it. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's interesting because when you do it with your students that way, I have found that like, let's say it's an academic area. I've found that my students that are earning twos and because they just don't have the skill level yet, they're actually okay with their two because they see what they can do specifically to get a three and they're going to work toward that. So they don't say, oh, I'm so dumb. I have a two. They really are like, I have right, a, it's, it's Yeah, I have a two, but look, I'm going to do this next. Like it gives them a plan. Right. It's not a life sentence. Yes. It's a temporary situation yeah. and they and they can improve it. Yeah. It really boils down to mindfulness. Yes. That that they're they're when they self-assess, they're being mindful of what what causes them to mm-hmm. to um do well in an area and what causes them to not do so well. Right. Right. And I like it's, you know, really growth mindset too, because it's like, you know, striving to do better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wanting to do better. And and as you said before, not just saying, Oh, I can't do it, I might as well just give up. Right, right. Right. Do you find that when you do something like that, you involve them in the assessment that fewer, if any at all, kids give up? Yes. They don't at all. Um, because they know what's expected. And I think actually it's made me a better teacher because I have to be clear on what I Tell, what I'm telling them I'm expecting, you know, like I try to recreate a lot of the rubrics with them, but already in my head, I have to have where I'm going, right? So I can kind of guide our discussion. Right. So it's made right. me actually think about, well, what should this look like at a three, at a four? You know, what am I expecting? So that's And helpful. once you've developed that, there's no question in your mind when you're actually doing the scoring. Right. It makes it very it quick. Makes, it makes that easier for you. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So what are some ways that you use self-assessment in your classroom? Well, I'm going beyond the discipline, basically, but when I do collaborative groups, I usually will have them um, write down, I'm looking at a data notebook with reflection statements, and they'll, I'll give them certain questions like, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? What would you like to change? How could you improve? Uh, is there something else that you would like me to do? And it really works pretty well. Uh, as that type of assessment, at least with the middle school. Kids. Right. I actually use those reflections with my fourth graders too. Um, mm-hmm. And it depends what we're using it for. But when we use it like for a portfolio entry, I actually have all the different standards we've been working on and the kids literally write them down. So they know like, oh, this is what all fourth graders are supposed to be doing. And then it says, you know, what did you learn? And what would you do? next If you were to revisit this piece, what would you do to make it better? And at first, the beginning of the year, it's kind of hard. Like, you know, they might say things like, I'd make it neater. (laughs) And so we have to address that. (laughs) Well, is that going to help your learning? Is that going to address what the standard says? You know, learning about explorers who came to California or whatever. Um, They'd say, oh, no, maybe I should have used another resource. And so you kind of guide their learning using those reflection statements. Mm Mm-hmm gives you a clear path ahead. Um, I loved using data notebooks too. And also for every subject, we had an interactive notebook and the left page was always for your own interpretation of the lesson, the answers and a self-reflection piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that to be a powerful tool also to help kids. So in in their data, you know, to help them study, to study for tests, um, to prepare for conferencing. Right. It had lots of uses. What, what did it look like? Can you tell me what it looked like or what, what the sections were? Um, yeah, there was, there was a section at the top where they would write in their own words what the standard uh-huh. was. And then there was like a box underneath that. It was boxes on a page. And so there was a bigger box underneath that. And it would be their response to the lesson. Like I usually leave them with something to think about that they have to answer mm. from the lesson. And then um, it so it would be their response and they could respond in lots of different ways. They'd have a, a page in the beginning of the notebook that would um, make some suggestions, but they truly could, they could write a poem. They could, you know, just write a paragraph. They could do a bullet point list. Oh, um, I love that. You know, all different ways to respond. Yeah. And then at the very bottom, one more box. How do you, how do I think I did on right. this? Sounds excellent. Um, there's something called like a compass point, which, which is like a visible thinking routine. Uh-huh. It's like you use points of a compass for students to respond in writing or orally. Like north would be, what do you need to help you understand? East, what are you excited about? South is your stance. What is your stance? How are you feeling about the lesson? Mm-hmm. And West is worrisome. What are you worried about? Oh, I um, like that part. Yeah. Yes, I do too. That's a great way just to structure their response. I love that. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. I do too. Well, my, one of really, I love those visible thinking. I routines. do too. I know Tracy's yes. the expert in that. We can we could use yes, her she help. Is. <laughs> sure is. Yeah, we could use you tonight, yes. Tracy. That's right. <laughs> well, one of the um, my last week and a half has been spent with student led conferencing which is 
always one of my favorite times of the year. I know a lot of teachers are like, oh, parent conference time. I love it because my when it's when it's student led, I mean, it just yes, I have to be more organized on the front end of teaching them how to assess, but we've been doing it throughout the semester, you know, and getting them to organize their materials, but they actually take their parents through and they fill out a self-report card. And then we discuss it with my district report card. And usually they nail it spot on. Um, If anything, they're harder on themselves. And because again, we've used so many rubrics and criteria charts, they know what's expected and they tell their parents how they're doing. And even my kids who are getting twos, aren't embarrassed about it. That's the part I love. Like they'll tell them, look at what I'm not doing yet. And they use those words yet. And yes. And it's yes. And like, and then I always ask for parent feedback afterwards. And the parents oftentimes are just like, I can't believe, you know, my nine-year-old, my 10-year-old is speaking about themselves this way. I said, well, they, they, they know themselves, they know their work, they know where to go. And so that's been one of my favorite parts about self-assessing is just the, how it empowers the kids. Exactly. Another thing that makes me want to go back to school again. <laughs> I know. There's I know. another one. But wait, wait till tomorrow morning <laughs> yeah. when it's time to get up at five and we don't. <laughs> I know. This is true. Well, Kathy doesn't either tomorrow. She's on yes, vacation. I am. <laughs> That's true. You get a little taste of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it. It is so great, though, because you see kids start to set those goals on their own. You know, like we give them the initial structure and forms, yeah. but then... You can hear them talk about when they work with partners or in groups, what they, you know, what do we need to do to get, you know, a better grade or what do we need to do? What's expected? That is so good. And that's so much better than having to give, you know, candy or little rewards and stuff. I refuse to do that. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's really Did either of you guys ever have your kids keep portfolios? Oh yeah. And I didn't a lot. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. We had a working portfolio all year that we used at conferences, uh-huh. an in-progress kind of portfolio. And then at the end of the year, we would pull pieces for a showcase portfolio. Yes. yes. And they all came from the working portfolio. It was just the pieces they were the proudest of. And they dressed them up with some artwork or, um, you know, retyping them and, and printing them on fancy paper. And um, we bought those bear books that you oh, can I get Oh, I love online. bear books. I yes, I use them every year. Is it? It's Treetop tree Publishing, yes. I think. and bear so, is B-A-R-E. And yeah. Yes. And they would glue them into the bear book and color in the cover. And then we would make a life cast plaster mask. Oh, that's right. These are your mask covers. To, yes, mm. it's my mask books. And I tell you all how to do it in my blog. You might have to dig back for mask. No, uh, no, no. Put it, we'll put it in the show but, notes. Um, put that blog post in the show oh, notes. Okay, we'll put, it. It the, we'll put it in the show notes. But every one of those pieces, guys, came from the working portfolio that they had all year. Wow. Yeah, those were gorgeous. I remember seeing pictures of it. Yeah, so, that, you know, there's a difference between working portfolio, pull things out, change yep, them. Versus showcase know, portfolios. Showcase, and, and I'm telling you, I have students who are 
well, you all know how old I am. So <laughs> students are in their 30s and 40s and their parents are telling me they still have their showcase oh. portfolios. They display them in their living rooms oh and in God. their china cabinets. <laughs> and, yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> so, because they're, they're gorgeous, truly. So take a look at that because... If you do keep portfolios, it's a great end of the year project. Well, and especially that it's not, you know, like when kids bring home all their work and parents just throw it away or the kids don't care, like they throw it away. I mean, this is something that keeps them, they want to keep it. Right. I love that. And it's so good they they can see where they were at the beginning and how they've improved by the end of the year. So it's such a good, it really is a good thing. Our Mm -hmm. portfolios... um, are both growth and showcase portfolios. So I have my students put in work that they didn't do well on, but they can't just leave it at that. They then have to show what they did to improve that work or that subject area and then show the progress that they've made. And then they write their reflections about that too. So at first, you know, they only... And sometimes sometimes would it maybe not be that piece redone, but it might be the next piece of that type? Okay. And then show yes. the growth. And at first way. they don't like doing that. You know what I mean? They only want to show their best pieces. And I said, well, that's great that you're doing mm-hmm. well here. I said, but to grow as a learner, we have to show where we came from. So, and so I show them things that I include in my own teacher portfolio and how I write about this lesson bombed and, but then I improved it this way. And so they're like, you keep one too. And I don't keep one every year, but at one point I did have a principal who, instead of our normal evaluations, said we could have the choice of her coming in and doing those formal evaluation and observations, or we could create a teacher portfolio to show our growth. And, and that, those years I loved because it really pushed me to let me prove it, you know, show it, (laughs) provide evidence and reflect on it. You know, I've got, I've. I've got That's good. I've got a couple of those in Rainbow City Learning. Oh, I'll put you definitely in the show should. Notes too. A real, a real easy way to do that because I'm telling you, if I was collecting a student sample for for that, because I would have to collect right. student samples, at, and I'd be conferencing with a student, and I would tell the student, I'm including this piece because it's showing where I have to go yes. as a teacher for yes. the next time. Or I'm including this piece because I'm so proud of you. And this is going to get a great score for me (laughs) if I put it in my portfolio. I love that. I mean, either way, you know, show them that, that their work matters and their work is, is, is a integral part of your work. Right. It's all connected. It's not just a separate thing. That's right. Okay, ladies. Well, we're come to the end. So what is your number one tip? for teaching students how to self-assess. Well, my number one tip is basically what we've been talking about through the whole conversation, (laughs) is working reflection into everything you do. Um, Interactive notebooks with reflection, data notebooks, develop everything that there's some reflection, even if it's okay. How did you feel about that? Thumbs up, thumbs down in the middle, you know, just, just give me, give me and yourself a sign about where you are right now. 
Right. Well, I, okay, that, this isn't even a tip right now, but I just, you just jogged my memory that, <laughs> that I, I worked with a kindergarten teacher one year, like I was her mentor teacher. And she even was so into having her kinders reflect that um, she had, she did it two ways. She, one of them, she just had a little index card or post it that had a smiley face, a straight line face, and a sad face. And she, on pieces of work, uh-huh. and she would have the kids circle which one. Um, they felt how they felt about their work and they stapled it on and that was it. And then as the year went on, she actually had them verbalize and tell her what they liked about it and what they would do better. And she would just have a parent volunteer um, transcribe that like they would dictate it, they'd write it down and then they'd staple that onto the piece. But I mean, even from age. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You just jogged my memory again. We used to have we used to have this thing with a, a little. Um, they were little tents. There was a red one, a yellow one, and a green one that they would just fold in right. um, cardstock, and it was laminated so it would last on their desk. And during the lesson, if they weren't understanding something, they just put the red out. And if I'd start to see a few reds, I'd back up a little bit oh, and adjust what, a great what I was visual. doing or some yellows. Yes. And if everybody was on green, I mean, it helped me with the lesson. It got answers for the kids. But I got to tell you a funny story if we have time. It's real <laughs> short, I promise. I was I was teaching a summer technology class um, for teachers. And there was this one teacher in there who was so frustrated at one point. She put the red tent on her head. <laughs> to make sure you could see it? <laughs> she was she was like super frustrated it wasn't good enough next to the computer she was wearing it like a hat that is such a good i love that though and then it would make kids okay with showing that they need help like it would that's right yeah because everybody yeah oh that's good yeah that's That's good And it really gives, it gives the quiet kid, you know, the ability to just say something yes. and let you know. So that's, that is really good. Yeah. Right. The kid who might not ask a question, but could put a yellow or red tent Ooh, I want to do this. Yeah. I, now I'm getting all these ideas to do when I get back after Thanksgiving. <laughs> See, that's really good. There you it's, go. It's nice it's, when you get good ideas and you just can't wait to get. Well, always get from going all on. of you. And in my case, it's nice. It's nice <laughs> when you can remember stuff. <laughs> no. Deanne, what is your tip? Well, well, it's really all of the above too. But I think something else is after each lesson, you can have them um, ask the students, "What is your be sure to." What do you need to remember for independent practice? And you can write it at the edge of the paper. Oh, to jot so themselves you, a you note. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. That is yes. a good idea. And I think mm-hmm. um, hmm, yeah. my number one tip is as a teacher to model your own goal setting and self-assessment because, <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know, I do, I share with them what I yep. call my teaching bloopers and it just shows, I think that you're also a learner. And I think that they appreciate that and makes it not as scary for them to admit if something was hard for them or, you know, to constantly be thinking about how can I make this better or, or did I nail it? You know, so I like that one, too, because it shows that you're also human and you do make mistakes yeah. and it's OK. And we can, we I was, can all do I was just going to I was just going to say that, Kathy, that's why. When you when something happens like you described to us off off of microphone yeah. before um, about meeting a former oh, student yes. who's now grown up, why you're you're still important in her life because you showed that side of yourself mm. to her. Mm-hmm. I hope so. It's yeah. really important and beautiful. 
Well, listeners, this is all we have time for today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. There's so much more we could say on this topic, but be sure to check out our blogs in the show notes. (laughs) And if you like what you hear, give us a shout out, share on social media, leave a comment, give us five stars on your listening platform, and be sure to join us next week for a very special episode that will help you check off those days until winter break because you teach so hard.